Super Talk Mississippi media production. In the Mississippi Legislature, Senate Bill 2145 funds health care for illegal immigrants. Call your legislator today at 601-359-3770. Ask them to stop Senate Bill 2145. It's not too late. You can help stop this. Paid for by Building America's Future. What's up, everybody? Good Wednesday night. Glad to see all of you. And for those of you that care, I don't think it's all that many. For those of you that care, the Ole Miss did just lose to Arkansas in basketball at home. They have been blown out. That's three of their last four games. They did get a win over Florida, and that was nice. But three blowout losses in their last four games. Not particularly pretty right now on the hardwood in basketball. So we'll see if they can bounce back on Saturday against Kansas State. But to be honest with you, I think uh, this is about as long as I need to be talking about that. Glad to see you guys on this Wednesday night. we got a lot to get to. Just give me one second here. Let me share this. Let me get this out here. Put it on the Twitter, and then we can get started. Because Twitter, as you guys probably know, is my most followed um, platform, which... Kind of scares me a little bit because my worst takes, my worst opinions, my worst thoughts all go on Twitter, you know? So why is that where the most people follow me? I don't understand. But just give me one second. Let me get this out here and we can uh, we can get started. So we're going to talk bad Heisman odds. I know you guys saw those. I know you saw the bad Heisman odds. Uh, we'll talk um, the NIL deal. In Oxford, and how uh, if Starkville is not working on it, they need to get in gear and get one done as soon as they can. And then quarterback portal recruiting in the saga that is Jackson Dart. Anything else that comes up, you guys want, you know, if you want to be a part of it, if you've got something on the brain that you want to talk about with me tonight, drop into the comments, drop into the comments, and uh, and I would love to be a part, uh, or I'd love for you to be a part of this. So just give me one second here. No. All right. Okay. Off and running. What's up, Chris? Good to see you. Glad to see you too, Scott. Welcome in, guys. Hope the uh, the new time slots are more conducive for you. I did my first short yesterday, and my phone is so old and crappy and sucks. There's something about the receiving audio of my phone. I got to use my iPad moving forward with those because the audio was was so bad. Um, Chris says, you do have your occasional Kellerman moments. Oh, come on. Don't put that on me. Don't put that on me. I, I will say this, though. Uh, I do quite often speak negatively about the business that I am I am in. I don't very much like a lot of sports talk radio. I think there are a lot of people in this business that give this business a bad rap, and I think there are a lot of people that do a really good job, and they do it uh, by being honest and genuine with strong opinions, but they do it the right way. And oftentimes those people get buried by takesmen 
who may drive ratings for a little while and then it will stop working soon because they can't build an audience that trusts them and believes in them and grows to like them because they're too busy trying to piss them off every day. And I promise you sponsors uh, would rather have an audience that trusts the person that is delivering their message. I promise. So I, I speak negatively often about my business. I think it's kind of a joke and, and a lot of people give it a really bad name. If you say that I have had Kellerman moments, what you cannot say, though, and what I cannot say, is I don't believe in what I'm saying. I don't manufacture things to just to make people mad, which I, I was told by somebody in the industry that every day I should strive to, quote, stir shit up. That should be my goal every day, is what somebody not in this market, not in this state, told me that I should do with my platforms every day. And I refuse to do that. So if you think I've had a Kellerman moment or two, just know that at least it's something that I actually believed. You get me. You get uh, you get unfiltered, especially on here and on social media and stuff. Uh, you get me at at my truth or at the truth according to me, and not manufactured BS just to get you guys mad or whatever. I think my approach has better long-term results, while the other approach might work for you know a year or two, get people all fired up and get your Twitter mentions all inflamed, and then you turn around and you see all that engagement on Twitter when everybody's just calling you a moron doesn't lead to sponsors, and sponsors pay the bills. But anyway. That's that's my soapbox. I'm going to get off of it now. I'm just not a believer in most of sports talk radio, truthfully. Um, if given the chance, I would do it differently. Again, you've got to be strong. you got to come strong every day with, with opinions and all that. But you can do it honestly. And there are so many people in my business that just make stuff up to make you guys mad. And that's their goal. This state, not so much. There, there's not as much. There's not really the... Not that. You've got fandom here that overtakes being truthful. But you don't have like the takesman here that just says stuff just to stir stuff up. At least we don't have that here. But in other places you do. And I think it's kind of embarrassing. But anyway, there's my soapbox. My name is Michael Borky. Glad to see you guys again on this Wednesday. Ole Miss basketball loses. And that is why uh, if you are some people in particular, you do not because of one win, come at the sports radio guy and tell them how wrong they were about the basketball team because you win one game. This is who they are. But I will just say that's a subliminal message to like three people. So anyway, let's talk bad Heisman odds. I know you guys saw this, so I'm going to share it with you now in case you didn't. This came from Caesars. So this was put together by um, SEC Mike, Mike Bratton. You may or may not follow him on Twitter. But these odds came from Caesars. So not just this sports book that you've never heard of that has an online presence and that's really all they got and you can't put the bet anywhere and they'll just throw these lists out there for coaching hires and stuff. They'll just throw them out there even though uh, you can't take the bets anywhere, and they're just doing it for clout. This is Caesars. I don't know how much clout is really involved in a book like that. 
I mean, they literally just bought the naming rights to the Superdome. They don't need internet clout. And yet here is this Heisman odds list. And Gary, we'll get to your, uh, we'll get to your comment after this, I promise. Because I know people are going to want to talk about, about Jackson Dart. And um, I'm kind of over it. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. But this is Caesars. This isn't just some clickbaity Twitter account with 500 followers trying to get people all fired up and stuff. This is Caesars. And this was SEC players in Heisman odds. So the the top Heisman odds getters are not all SEC players, but these are the SEC players getting Heisman odds. According to Caesars, Bryce Young, unsurprisingly, the favorite, according to Caesars, he would be the second player ever to repeat as Heisman Trophy winner. I understand why he gets the odds. We're already at a problem at number two, though. And I under trust me, I know how odds work. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get money. That's what that's what the every sports book's goal is to not get game predictions correctly. Their goal is to make money. And so they do stuff like this to make money. I don't think whoever at Caesars made the book actually thinks that Spencer Rattler is the second most likely SEC player to win the Heisman Trophy, but I promise you, you know what is going to happen when SEC media days come around this summer and and when talking season begins and all the preview magazines come out, you're going to get it about Spencer Rattler. The same guy that when he was at Oklahoma in Lincoln Riley's system, and I said this when he was transferring, so forgive me for being repetitive, but we got to put this in perspective because you're going to see it. You are going to see people talking about Spencer Rattler and the Heisman and all this stuff. Unrealistic expectations, QB1, first quarterback off the board, all that stuff. You're going to see it because people are so desperate for some reason for him to be that guy. I don't understand it. It's like they're financially invested in his future or something. But you're going to see it. The guy that could not work for Lincoln Riley in that system, with that roster, in that conference, is not going to South Carolina with (laughs) basically the opposite of Lincoln Riley in terms of offensive coordinating experience at South Carolina. And despite bringing his tight end buddy with him, a significantly worse roster than what he had at Oklahoma and a more difficult conference that in the SEC. And oh, by the way, they get to play Clemson at the end of the year. You're telling me that now he's going to figure it out, and now suddenly, boom, now he's going to be the first-round pick that everybody thought he was going to be when he leaves the most quarterback-friendly system in college football and what is arguably the best quarterback coach in college football in an easier conference. He's going to go to South Carolina with a worse roster in a more difficult league with a coach that is not a quarterback whisperer, at least as far as we know, and now suddenly he's going to be that guy, spare me. You're going to get it, I promise, but spare me. I don't want to hear it. Will Anderson, and this tells you all you need to know about Heisman, by the way, is that Will Anderson is behind Spencer Rattler and preseason odds. This tells you all you need to know about the Heisman Trophy and the way it's looked at, the way it's talked about, the way people bet it, everything. That's all, that's all you need to know because Will Anderson is a significantly better football player than Spencer Rattler, significantly better, like not even in the same galaxy. And yet, because one doesn't have QB next to his name, he is third in odds. 
And again, that's just how this works. It's a shame. But Max Johnson is the fourth best odds in the SEC. <laughs> the fourth best odds in the SEC to win the freaking Heisman Trophy. I mean, because Jimbo Fisher did just such a great job with Zach Calzada, right? Just such a great job. And then um, we heard what Mike Zimmer had to say about Jimbo Fisher's quarterback that predated Zach Calzada. We we got to uh, hear what the NFL thinks of, of Kellen Mond. But yeah, sure, he's going to turn Max Johnson into a Heisman contender, no doubt. Yeah, that, that makes a ton of sense. You've got two Florida quarterbacks, Anthony, uh, by the way, Bryce Young, 5-2, to two, Spencer Rattler, 20-1, to one, Will Anderson, 30-1, to one, Max Johnson, 40-1, to one, both Florida quarterbacks. Well, not really because there's three. <laughs> there's three Florida quarterbacks competing for the starting job, but two of them get 50-1 to one odds. It's Anthony Richardson and Jack Miller. I would love to know. I said this on the radio show today. I would love to know what Billy Napier was able to sell to the three of those guys to get them to stay at Florida. And yeah, maybe the easy answer is, well, you can come in the spring and compete. But Jack Miller transferred from Ohio State to Florida, so he can't go anywhere after the spring if he doesn't win the job. And, I mean, how how on earth were you able to get AR-15 and Emory Jones to stay to compete against Jack Miller I, I'm, I'm baffled by it, honestly. I, I can't believe it. I would love to know what he was selling there. Because if Jack Miller, again, if he doesn't win the job, he's stuck. Unless he wants to sit out of here. He's stuck. So that doesn't make any sense. I love the value here at 60-1 to 1 with Hendon Hooker. I absolutely love the value there. I am, for some stupid reason, guys, buying into Tennessee. I hate myself for it. I'm buying into Tennessee, specifically Hendon Hooker. I think if you're looking for value and you actually want to put money down on this, uh, he's got good value at 60-1. to Will he win it? No, I don't think so, because Tennessee's not going to win enough games. But if you're looking for bang for your buck, if you just want to throw a $10 bill down on a long-shot Heisman odd that actually has a shot from the distance, Hendon Hooker at 60-1, to I think is actually really good odds. Um I'm buying into Tennessee. I think they're going to take a big step forward offensively in 2022, and I think they're going to win eight games or so, and he'll be in the mix for a little while. I'm a believer in him. I think that uh, you can make the argument. I know state fans won't like this, and on my ballot, I won't do this. It will be Young and Rodgers, but I think you can make you can make the case in terms of preseason All-SEC quarterback, Young and Hooker, you can make that case. And I think he's going to end up having a big year. So good value at 60-1. to one. Here's where it really gets stupid, though. Max Johnson being where he is is dumb. The two Florida quarterbacks being ahead of Hinden Hooker, also quite dumb. Luke Altmyer at 60-1, to one, the same odds as Hinden Hooker, the same odds, by the way, as Zach Calzada. There's probably also um, probably figured out that they're in front of Will Rogers as well. Uh, giving the same odds again. I know how this works. It's still crazy to me though. Like if you put money on Luke Altmaier right now, there's a hotline that you should call. Giving the same odds to a guy that might not even be the starter for his team next year. The same odds 
for that guy as Hendon Hooker, who is behind two guys that may or may not be the starters at Florida, is just like mind-blowing. What are we doing here? Uh, Luke Altmaier might not even be the starting quarterback at Ole Miss, and yet he has the same odds as Hendon Hooker and better odds than Will Rogers, who we know will start for Mississippi State, obviously, and put up a bunch of points and yards. And yes, Will Rogers at 75 to one right now. He is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, tenth in the SEC, tied with Will Levis and Heisman odds right now. We get asked today why, you know, how can they do that? And I think the answer is honestly very simple. I think Caesars expects one, obviously they expect Luke Altmeyer to be the starter, but also Lane Kiffin has a certain cachet that comes with him that brings attention on his quarterbacks more so than that of Mike Leach because the presumption is you don't have to be a good quarterback in Mike Leach's system to throw for a bunch of yards because history tells you not good quarterbacks have thrown for a bunch of points or thrown for a bunch of yards and scored a lot of points in that system. So that does, in stuff like this, as much as fans hate to hear it, that does hurt you when it comes to national recognition like this because, oh, wow, Will Rogers saying this to football fan in Cincinnati, Ohio, about Will Rogers breaking records at Mississippi State, they're like, yeah, well, it's Mike Leach, of, of course. It's almost like the system harms, for whatever it's worth, recognition when it comes to stuff like this because it's it's not surprising because unsurprising and unremarkable players have put up big time numbers in Mike Leach's system so when Will Rogers does it he does not get the benefit of the doubt because it's a Mike Leach quarterback of course he had a bunch of yards with Luke Altmeyer, and when it comes to this Lane Kiffin brings a lot of attention Lane Kiffin's quarterbacks tend to be pretty good and that's kind of how you how you get a situation like this. So I know people are pretty fired up about it. By the way, Miles Brennan after the two of them at 100 to one, uh, Jameer Gibbs at Alabama, the running back, 100 to one, and KJ Jefferson. You want to talk about great value? KJ Jefferson at 150 to one. What is up with that? Um, no respect at all. No respect at all for. Uh, for KJ, none. And yeah, Chris, you're right. Feel like KJ should have gotten a little more respect, no doubt. Um, and he got a knee procedure recently, right? He was playing most of the season injured. I mean, so he produced the way he did while needing surgery at the same time. He's tough, man. He's really tough. Um, probably too tough. Probably got beat up on a little bit too much uh, for your liking as a coach. But yeah, no respect at all for KJ. So bad Heisman odds there. All right, Gary, let's get to your question. Patrick, same thing. Gary says, Michael, does Ole Miss end up with Dart and Trigg and a new special teams coach? Well, yes, they will. Um, they will be adding a new special teams coach regardless of what happens with Dart and Trigg. They have that spot open. They will be filling that. Uh, to be honest with you, I have no idea with who because anytime you try to put a finger on Lane Kiffin staff hires, he hires somebody that you weren't thinking of. It's abundantly clear that – other than his brother, I mean, hiring Chris Kiffin was not particularly surprising. You probably could have gotten there, although he was in the NFL. But 
I mean, their new running backs coach was like, wait, this guy came out of left field. Where'd he come from? Uh, new defensive backs coach, same thing, poached him from Arkansas to, to have the same position. So with this, I, I mean, I could give you a hot list if you want, but not a single name on it would be the one that he ends up hiring based on recent precedent. But on the dart and trick thing, and Patrick says, is it just a money game now with who can land dart? Um, it's kind of what it feels like, right? Um, I've got kind of an old man take on that. To tell you the truth, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Old man yells at cloud on you when it comes to to this right here. We live in a world now that's a 24 hour news cycle, right? Every all the information, everything is at the palm of our hands. Our attention spans, Ted Lasso, are like a goldfish. We do not keep. Nothing keeps our attention anymore. You have to constantly be interesting. Constantly be interesting if you're going to continue to be relevant. I actually read an article today. I think it was in the in the Atlantic, not the Athletic, but the Atlantic. I read an article today about how um, oldies are killing modern music. Young people love older music. They are getting further and further away from the stuff that's being made now and gravitating towards all the great stuff from, I mean, even just 10 years ago. But, uh, I mean, the the money that is being spent right now, I've got a point to this, I promise. The money that is being spent right now is all on rights fees for older artists, Billy Joel, Elton John, those kind of things. We, society today, is going away from modern music and back towards old music and part of why i think old music is so great is we allowed artists to grow and remain relevant i mean go listen to led zeppelin 3 so led zeppelin 1 and 2 fantastic albums fantastic albums the best and then led zeppelin 3 came And it was scrutinized, it was criticized, but they remained relevant. And then four came, and it was the greatest album ever written. Um, and I know, despite all the, the stuff today, I still am a Neil Young fan myself. Um, we had longer attention spans back then. You, I mean, look at some of the stuff that Rush did throughout their career. They put out some awful music as they were adapting and evolving and adding new sounds and taking some sounds away and stuff like that. We allowed people to remain relevant forever. Now our attention spans are nothing. And so if you're an artist today and you make a hit, you better make another hit or else you're gone. You disappear. Not only are is your music not topping the charts anymore, but you, you disappear from relevancy that fast. And you've got some people that have staying power. You know, The weekend is still... I mean, he's got multiple music videos that have a billion views on YouTube. So there are people that are able to stay relevant. But I think the music of the past is so good and it's got longevity because we allowed artists to stay relevant and, and work on themselves. We don't allow that anymore. Same thing uh, when it comes to me and the recruitment of one Jackson Dart. I'm not interested anymore. He's lost me. In a past life, would I have cared about something like this? 
And, and in my business, should I probably still care about this? Yeah, I should, but I don't. They've lost me. I am no longer interested in where he goes. Same thing with Michael Trigg. Now, when they commit somewhere, whenever that may be, I, of course, will talk about it with you guys. I will probably do a short unless it happens on Sunday or or whatever, but we will talk about it at some point when it does happen. If they do go to Ole Miss, it will be significant because he's an incredibly talented player. But I, I got a text message earlier. Do, what's the latest? What's the latest? I said, honestly, man, I stopped asking. Not that I had any kind of inside information anyway. Um, and as with everything, when there is a, a vacuum of information, it gets filled with speculation. And I'm kind of sick of doing that. And I'm kind of sick of talking about it. So whenever it happens, it happens. But I don't have the attention span like I used to when it comes to stuff like this. I just I, I don't have the capacity to care. I think social media has really created, and I'm telling you, this is an old man take. I know, I know it's an old man take. I think social media has created an atmosphere where everybody, myself included, uh, feel like we're more important than we are. And it, it, we're, we're, we thrive off of the attention that we get. And I'm not interested. It doesn't, doesn't grab me like it would have. Doesn't grab me at all like it would have. It used to. It doesn't now. Just like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, artists could put out good music, you know, maybe have a bad album or two, maybe have a bad decade or two in some cases. And yet they remained relevant and people still gave them chances. I'm like a modern music fan. If you don't grab me all the time, you don't grab me anymore. And you're not relevant. So it's a very old man take. I'm kind. I'm truthfully, I'm sick of talking about it because at this point, what else can I say? What else can anybody say? I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I imagine they're pretty frustrated there in Oxford. I would be. I would be very frustrated. And here's the next layer to this. I said this on a podcast recently, but not here with you guys. Um, if I'm a teammate, if I if I am on the Ole Miss team right now, and they have started team workouts. Now, they started those, I think, last week. So they're at least a week in with their new strength coach leading workouts with Luke Altmeyer being there. And as far as I understand it, he's a very well-liked kid, good teammate, hard worker, all that stuff. Has all the character of a quarterback that you want, right? If I'm a teammate of Luke Altmyers, and I'm watching all of this happen while I'm up at 5 a.m., and there's my quarterback up there with me, and we're busting our ass every day with Coach Savage, the new strength coach, and, and we're working and we're working, and Luke's the one texting us about uh, you know, some of Charlie Weiss Jr.'s new schemes, and we're doing seven-on-sevens, and, and he's throwing to me after practice or after workouts, and he's getting ready for the season as QB1, and I really like him personally, and I think he's going to do well. And then I see his competition out here still teasing people on social media while we're here in Oxford working. If you do show up, you better be head and shoulders better 
than my guy here. Because if you're not, I know who I'd rather play with. Very old man take. I know. I know. If Jackson Dart ends up at Ole Miss, it's a big deal because he's a very talented player. And he pushing Luke and Luke pushing him would be great for both of them. It would bring the best out of both of them. I'm not going to be the guy that says, oh, they're better off without him, whatever. I'm not I'm not doing that. Night, Chris. Good to see you, man. Great to see you. Glad, to, glad you're with me. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you very much. Uh, but anyway, I'm not being that guy where, oh, they're better off without him. No, they need to continue to try to sign him. They need quarterbacks in that room. They need more than one. And a guy that talented is somebody that you shouldn't stop recruiting just because he is acting, uh, you know, a little ridiculous on social media. But it's just social media. You know, he's a college kid. Whatever. But if I'm a teammate, and this is just my perspective, and it could be the wrong one, I don't know. But if I'm a teammate, and I'm up at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I'm working, and Luke Altmeyer's right next to me working, this guy, if he comes in, he better be the best. Because if he's not, I know who I'm, I know who I want. And if this thing drags on, if it drags on past the, uh, whatever you want to call the day, past the enrollment period day, and they can't enroll in school by spring practice, and, and you're going to, and again, maybe this will be irrelevant tomorrow. Maybe they, they pick Ole Miss tomorrow and it's over. Maybe they do. But if for whatever reason that doesn't happen, and I go through spring with my guy, with my guy Luke, and I go I go through spring with him, and he learns a new system, and he's there every day, and we're doing seven-on-seven seven after practice, and we're doing extra throwing and extra film, and this new, new guy comes in with his puka shells, and he comes in in June and tries to take my guy's job? No. Uh-uh. That would divide me. So that's something that... Could happen. And again, I'm an old man. I'm an old man. I have old man opinions, and they are completely irrelevant to the players in the locker room. But I know if I was one of those players in the locker room, God bless me, not athletic enough to be a player in an SEC locker room. I tried. I wasn't. Um, I know how I would feel about it. And I wouldn't like it. I know how recruiting works, but this isn't a 17-year-old. This guy's already been in college. And the semester has started. So get in the boat or or don't show up at all would be my, if I was a teammate, position. But again, if they end up signing him, it is significant because the kid is freaking talented, really talented player. So you got to put up with stuff like this sometimes to get talented players and you do what you got to do. But the team doesn't have to feel that way. I don't know if that was very much music appreciation. I, I uh, That sounded better in my head before it got out there. But the point is, I think I am right when I say during that time, we got better music, more consistent catalogs, deeper catalogs from artists because we gave them a chance as opposed to now you make one song. If song number two sucks, see ya. You are you're not relevant. Go look at some of the criticism that Led Zeppelin three got. Um, and honestly, I I mean I love I love every album that they that they've made. I mean seriously, like immigrant song since I've been loving you in that album. 
I mean, that's not Tangerine. I think it's actually a good song. I know some people don't like it. But that was a highly criticized album back then. Highly criticized. Thought they went folky and got away from their sound. Got ripped, but they stayed relevant. You make a terrible album today, you're gone. Maybe that's a mischaracterization, but I'm telling you, that article I read today, guys, was fascinating about how young people today are gravitating more towards older music. They like it better. And modern music is dying because of it. Album sales, iTunes buys, stuff like that is dying. It's dying. It's crazy. But hey, LSU appears to be reloading thoughts. They always do. Um, You know, they're adding a lot of players in the portal. And that's what makes... If you're changing coaches, it kind of levels the playing field. Does the transfer portal? It does a little bit. It levels the playing field. Brian Kelly is able to add more players, possibly impact players, on a depleted roster faster because of the transfer portal. It makes your turnaround and makes your clock start faster because it's not a rebuild anymore. I mean, look at what he's added. So we'll see. I um I have often held the opinion that while Brian Kelly's a very good football coach, I thought that. Um, he got too much credit for what he did at Notre Dame. And uh, so I'm probably not the best person to ask that, honestly. But yeah, they've done really well in the portal. They've cleaned up in the portal, and that's a state that will always produce talent. I, I mean, you can win by default at a place like LSU. You, you don't, I mean, Ed Orgeron, I, again, I, I've said this all the time. Ed Orgeron won a national championship at LSU. Ed freaking Orgeron won a national championship at LSU, and so did Les Miles. If those two cartoon characters can win national championships at LSU, so can Brian Kelly's cartoon fake accent, uh, Foghorn Leghorn. He can do it too. So it's a job that almost wins on its own based on what we've seen in recent history. Fred's asking about baseball. Love it. How do you feel about Landon Sims being the Friday night starter for Mississippi State? You know, I understand why the move was made, and I understand that that's where all the money is out of college, and I'm sure he'll be great at it. I'm sure he will. I do love, though, the value that he provided, where if you had a lead in a game and you were entering the eighth inning, the game ended because Landon Sims was pitching, and that was the end of the game. If he took the mound, the game was over. And I'm curious to see you know, how Chris Limonis manages his bullpen now without knowing all I got to do is have a one-run lead to start the eighth inning, and we win. That's all I got to do. Just get to the eighth with one run, and it's over. So I think he'll do well because he's a hell of, I mean, he's got great stuff. Um, he showed you very little because Chris Limonis didn't push him at all, rightfully so. It worked out very well. He manages his pitchers very well. Um, but you saw that he could he can extend and keep his stuff. Now, we didn't see seven innings of him extending and keeping his stuff, but he showed flashes of ability to do it. The stuff is there. I have no reason to doubt that guy. But I do wonder what it's going to be like without that end-of-game weapon where, again, you're in the eighth, you have a one-run lead, game's over. Because Landon Sims is pitching, game is over. And having... Having that bullet out of your gun is going to change the way Lamonis, is man- Lamonis manages his pitchers this year. I think he'll be fine because, of course. 
God, look, I mean, the way he, you can't watch that guy pitch and tell me, nah, he won't work. Whatever role he he has on the mound, he will probably do it very well. Team chooses the quarterback. Yep, it's usually uh, usually how it works. Percentage guesses, I, I would still guess seventy five percent or so. If you if you put a gun to my head and said, will they end up at Ole Miss? I would still say yes. But what are they waiting for? What are you waiting for? What else is there to learn? Is it just an NIL thing? You keep pushing offers and going back to and back and back back and forth and back and forth and, and soliciting offers? What are you waiting for? What else can you see? What else can you know? Why aren't you making a decision? So I don't know what the hangup is. The reporting that they're starting to recruit other quarterbacks tells me that they're starting to grow frustrated with it as well. Uh, no, Fred, I don't, actually. I, I don't think Sawyer Robertson has a chance to push Rodgers for the starting spot. Uh, Fred says, I feel he will transfer after the season if he doesn't get the job. Would stink to lose him, but I understand. Yeah, th- that's the nature of recruiting now, man, is you've got to add a quarterback every year. It's more important than ever that you add a quarterback every year because guys are just going to leave. They are. And especially now with recent precedent that shows you that leaving is beneficial. Um, I mean, Baker Mayfield was a transfer. What, what is Baker Mayfield doing right now? All joking aside about the year he had in Cleveland, what's he doing right now if he doesn't transfer to Oklahoma? What's he doing? What is Jalen Hurts doing right now if he doesn't transfer to, ironically, to Oklahoma? What is Joe Burrow doing right now if he never transfers to LSU? Because I'll tell you, Joe Burrow is battling for the starting job for the USFL's Birmingham Stallions if he never transfers to LSU. So we have recent examples that show you that transferring as a quarterback is actually beneficial. Stick it out is not always the best advice anymore. It works for some, but not everybody. And so uh, Mike Leach is clearly preparing for that because he keeps adding quarterbacks to his roster. Um, but yeah, I would, I, truthfully, I'd be concerned about that because I think Will Rogers is, I mean, he progressed so much from week one to the end of the season. You know, the Egg Bowl didn't go well. He was pressured a lot in that game, and the Liberty Bowl didn't go well. But you, you are fooling yourself if you say that Will Rogers did not get better from week one to the end of the season. He absolutely did. Uh, so, no, I don't think he'll get pushed for it at all. I think it's his job, and he'll put up numbers, better numbers than he put up this season, I think. they got to protect him well, but that's something I'd be worried about is, is Sawyer Robertson leaving, but that's just the nature of the beast now. It's just what it is. The drop-dead date, I believe, Todd, is uh, on Monday, I believe. I believe Monday's the drop-dead date. But... It takes a little while to get the paperwork and stuff done. It's not like you can just decide and enroll in an hour and be all good. I think you have to start the process like tomorrow or Friday at the very latest in order to get there in time. So it's it's coming up soon. Oh, gosh, Fred. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> you made me laugh. I feel bad for laughing, but you made me laugh. Oh, man. Great piece by Richard today with J-Pal. Yeah, man, that was a really good interview with J-Pal, wasn't it? Jay brought it today. And what Jay said, and for those of you that don't know, we had former big league pitcher uh, pitched at Mississippi State, Jay Powell, on the radio show today. 
And he was asked how many guys were juicing. And he was honest. He said of a roster of 25, five to 10 guys that were actively doing it daily. Another five guys that did it on occasion. Another handful of guys that tried it. And then the rest of us didn't do it. So the majority of the locker room did something to enhance their performance that was against the rules. It was it was so prevalent. The league knew it. The league enabled it because they were making a bunch of money and getting a bunch of viewers, and, and it was the golden age of the sport, which if you guys saw my short or, or have listened to anything I've done or followed me on Twitter, you know that I think that Barry Bonds should be in the Hall of Fame. I think that he is being punished for something that the sport enabled. And in fact, they encouraged. They banned the substance in, what, 91? And didn't start testing for it until 03? And then they got positive tests and didn't punish or release who got those positive tests? They enabled it. They didn't stop it because they were loving what was happening to their sport. And you already have cheaters in the Hall of Fame. You have guys that use cork bats. You have guys that use pine tar. You've got guys that use steroids in the Hall of Fame already. So Barry Bonds is being punished for something that was enabled. He's the greatest home run hitter of all time. If you have to put some context on his plaque or whatever, do it. Go for it. But Ortiz is in, and he had a positive. So why isn't Bonds? Because he wasn't nice to the media? It's a joke, and the sport enabled it. Landon was lights out. Games were seven innings. Helped the team in so many ways. I question without him in the pen. I See, I agree. I, I know you've got to have good starters, right? Like, what's the point of having a great closer if he's coming in when you're losing the game, right? So I, I understand why starters make the most money because they're the most valuable, but that weapon not being there is fascinating. What do you mean he's added a disgusting changeup? He everything he threw last year was already disgusting. <laughs> oh God. I'm d i am I mean, I would be terrified to hit against him. And I love the speed in which he works too. He's a joy to watch. Landon Sims is so much fun to watch pitch. And you guys know me, I'm not the biggest baseball guy. Like I, I watch it because I have to for work, but like I don't in I don't enjoy the sport of baseball. I enjoy watching Mississippi State baseball. I enjoy watching Ole Miss baseball. I enjoy my job. The atmospheres here are cool, all that. But you're not going to catch me watching LSU South Carolina on a Friday night just for fun. I mean, it's not me. I enjoy basketball. I'm a big NBA fan. I know that's taboo around here. I love the NBA. Love my Pelicans. I'm a, I'm a basketball fan over baseball. It's just me. But Landon Sims is a joy to watch pitch. Because he works so damn fast, and he just shoves it by you, and he he wastes no time. He'll strike you out, he'll walk around the mound, get the ball, and just wait for you to get in the box, and then he'll throw a pitch, get the ball back, throw a pitch, get the ball back. It's fast. It's fast, and it's nasty, and it, I mean, just intimidating. Love, love watching that guy pitch. Fred says, yeah, Sims is fastball slider, and then dropout changeup. That's good for SEC hitters. I gotta, I gotta find this post. Where'd you say it was? So the team posted it. I guess I missed it. I follow them on all the, all the channels. I've got to find it because you said it overlaid all three pitches: same arm slot, same release. 
could see Preston Johnson being the closer. Yeah, that I think that's what Haydad said to me today. Chase says if he has a real threat, if he had, oh, I can't read tonight. If he has a real threat of being able to command that change piece, he could go from dominant to almost alien like. He's already alien like. <laughs> what, what are you again? What are you talking about? The, the guy's he's barely human, or he was last year. He continues to say, as ridiculous as I think the Bonds Clemens being left out for PEDs, it's almost more egregious that Schilling isn't in. You can't tell the story of baseball without the Schilling bloody ankle. No doubt. And you know why Kurt Schilling isn't in. It's because most of sports media is left-leaning. And Roger Clemens is not. That's what's happening here. Let's let's be honest with it. I don't express my political. I mean, I actually I do sometimes on Twitter. I will sometimes express a political opinion, but I will never reveal party affiliation to you guys. Um, truthfully, I don't trust any of them. I think they're all full of it. That's just that's me. Um, I, for one, don't care one way or the other about athletes and sharing or not sharing political opinions. And if they do, I don't care what they are. You are a human being. You're a man. You're a woman. If you want to speak politically, that's fine. It's a beautiful country where you can do that and go for it. It's not going to prevent me from consuming your product, and it's not going to encourage me to consume your product. I, I will do what entertains me, and that's it. That's just kind of my opinion on athletes and sports. But there are people in my business that are complete and total hypocrites. Because if Kurt Schilling, or excuse me, uh, yeah, if Kurt Schilling was um, not politically active at all, or if he was politically active on their side, opinions that they agree with, he's in. That's how, that's the truth. And you're seeing it with Aaron Rodgers. I don't particularly like Aaron Rodgers. But if Aaron Rodgers was speaking out about things that they agreed with, nobody would call him what they call him today. But he says things that they don't like. So now he's a bad guy. Williams says, Bonds was a jerk to the media. Royds is just an excuse. Yeah. Fred with the state lineup. Sims on Friday, Walling on Saturday, Fristo and the rest of the pen on Sunday. No, I agree with you. You can't tell the story of baseball without bonds. And yeah, the 04 Red Sox is arguably, according to Chase, the greatest sports story of our lifetimes, objectively speaking, and not a huge baseball fan. It's incredible. The curse, the winning a series against your bitter rival down 03. Jimmy Fallon's recording a movie with Drew Barrymore. I mean, you got to throw that in there too, right? But yeah, it's amazing. And, and yet... The, the key part of that story is not immortalized in the museum. And the, the thing I said on the radio today was museum. That, that's what the Baseball Hall of Fame is. It's a museum. That's what it is. Are museums only meant to tell stories of honor? Are there only people that did nothing but honorable Deeds immortalized in museums 
Because that's what the Baseball Hall of Fame is. It's the preservation of the story of baseball. Well, there is a museum in downtown Jackson that tells very dishonorable stories about this state. But it's our history that needs to be told. Civil Rights Museum is what I'm talking about. There are people that are in that museum. There are stories that are told in there that are not honorable at all. But they need to be told because it's part of the story. The steroid area is, is not honorable. They did cheat the game. It was widespread. It was enabled. But they cheated the game. They were also the best at it. Barry Bonds having a little bit more muscle doesn't change the fact that he still had to stand in the box and hit a 97-mile-an-hour fastball that was moving six inches. He's the story. He's the most electrifying baseball player of my lifetime. You can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. Just because everything he did was not honorable doesn't mean you have to, or you you can't tell that story. That can't be immortalized. Because we'll see. And viewership trends are telling you that Barry Bonds and Sosa and McGuire, that era, the steroid era, was the golden age of professional baseball in this country. Saw Landon Sims work out. Oh, my God, a machine. Yeah, man. I mean, he's doing it. He'll be in the big soon enough. Scott says, I have always heard they knew Rafael Palmero tested positive for months, but kept it quiet because he was about to get 3,000 hits. Man, Scott, they knew about all of these guys. They knew about everybody, but they were making too much money. They enabled it. Again, they banned the substance and didn't test for it for over a decade. They enabled it. And when they did start testing for it, they didn't release the test and they let the guys keep playing. It was enabled. Because they're all making money. Yeah, Carl. Apparently Sims has that third pitch. I'm going to watch that video when we get done here. I can't wait to see it. Dennis says the only person that will be punished for cheating will be Ben Johnson. And his performance in the 100 meter was amazing. But he's Canadian. And then, and so Americans won't come to his defense. Yeah, we, we defend our own, man. But I hear you. A lot of Sims talking here. I like it. I like it. Ben Johnson and SMU football. They'll be the only parties that will endure the stigma of being cheaters in 20 years. I hope we're over the SMU thing by then, by now. I hope so. And especially considering that what SMU did is basically legal now. I hope we're over it. And I think largely the reaction to the bonds thing has shown you that even people like that that you're referencing are going to get treated differently. Because I, I kind of disagree with you here. I don't think society's forgiven Lance Armstrong. I, I truthfully mostly think he's just kind of faded into irrelevancy because he was famous for being a cyclist. You know, that, that doesn't have the staying power of like like college football does. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I could be dead wrong. Uh, 
It's interesting nonetheless. And Fred, you're right. I, I don't care if you took steroids. You still have to hit the damn ball. You still have to hit the ball. Steroids do not help you hit the ball. Sure, yeah, I'll watch that video of Sims. Chase sent it to me. Let's see. I'll share it with you guys right here. Give me one second. Here we go. Here's that video of Landon Sims. Here's the overlay. There's sound. I'm going to get copyright. Oh, nope. Wow. That is unbelievable. How do you pick up on that? I think I see the second one. I think I do. I think you can pick up on that. But damn, that's impressive. Yeah, that, I mean, God. As long as that arm holds up, as long as he can pitch deep into game, I mean, that stuff, that, that stuff is first round, I mean, early first round pick material. That's impressive. That's who he is, though. Sid says Pete Rose is not in the Hall of Fame because he lied and is cocky, not because he bet. You can't, I mean, the best home run hitter and the best hitter of all times are not in the Hall of Fame. You're not telling the story of baseball without that inclusion. Dennis is not in Big Ten country. They still talk about SMU and try to imply that SEC programs are getting away with SMU-like tactics today. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just uh, all those all those five-star players just go to Ohio State because they love the town. Oh, wait, I've been to Columbus, Ohio. Um, that's not why they're going there. Oh, but they love when the band does the script Ohio, even though they're in the locker room when that happens. Uh, it's almost like they're doing it but let them think that that's fine and if they're not doing it maybe they should they would win more also the states up there don't produce the athletes like the states down here and that's part of the reason why the teams here are better because per capita the state of mississippi produces more college football players than every state in big 10 country William says, looks to me like the night version of your show has more state fans. Yeah, I like, trust me, man, I want I want both. I want both. And, of course, topics are going to lean one way or the other based on what's going on. Truthfully, I just, I don't want to talk about Jackson Dart anymore. And I'm sure not going to break down the basketball game that just happened in Oxford. I mean, I, I got a text from a friend there that said, there's probably as many Arkansas fans here as Ole Miss fans, and there wasn't many of either. Um, so... Anyway, yeah, it, it'll just vary by topic, I suppose, but I'm, I'm just glad to see all of you guys. And I'll talk about anything. Yeah, Chase, Lance is a, a lot of things. has been really bad since that got exposed. Anyway. Oh, now you guys are... Oh, don't be mean. Don't be mean in the comments. Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. Oh, man. I appreciate you guys. I really do. Um, 
so we'll see. I mean, we'll talk about it Sunday if something happens uh, with uh, with Dart or whatever. We got football this weekend, though. Oh, maybe Sunday night's not the best night because we got the conference championships that day. We'll uh, we'll see. But either way, thank you guys. Um, don't forget to subscribe while you're here. Now, I'm going to keep trying those shorts. The first one went okay. I don't know if you guys watched it. Um, the audio that that my phone records is just god awful, though. But that seems to be pretty good. Um, uh, a good way to build a channel, anyway. So, last one, last one. What's your thoughts on the MSU women's basketball debacle? Um, they they need to get out. They're in this limbo period of interim coach. You know, you had one that had to leave. First of all. The phrase, you never want to be the guy after the guy. And Nikki McCray-Pinson was the guy after the guy. And Vic Schaefer was the guy for Mississippi State women's basketball. So replacing that's always difficult. And then she has to leave right before season begins because of health issues. And she was still recruiting well despite the bad first season. And then she leaves and an interim coach comes. You've got locker room issues. And it's just the timing of Coach McCray-Pinson leaving is causing a lot of this. And so when you get your permanent coach in place with the care and the resources that the school's invested, it should recover. I don't think this is what it's going to be moving forward. I think this is just because of timing more so than it is because of uh um you know, like a long standing issue with the program that's going to be impossible to overcome so yeah i'm, I'm using this microphone though is the only thing for the short i was just using my phone i, I don't know how to because you know it's like tiktok you have to record it on your device because uh, it has to be upright like this it, it you can't do it sideways it, it has to be recorded like through a phone that's how it's designed so i, I guess i have to use an ipad is the thing, but anyway, you guys, uh, you guys are the best. So thank you. And we'll keep doing the night thing. The plan is just to do this two days a week through baseball. And then once football begins a lot more frequently, so just two days a week for now, but we'll do shorts in the interim. And, uh, I appreciate you guys. And, uh, I'm going to go say goodnight to my wife and I'm going to go play some here. Y'all be good. See you soon. Talk Mississippi Media Production.